Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Hello, my name is Dave Hanready, and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode six of the No Encore podcast. Reunited, and it feels so good. Yeah, we're <laughs> yeah. all we're all here. Uh, Craig Fitzpatrick. Hey, what's up? Slick intro, Dave. Thanks, man. <laughs> Nailed it. Colin Morgan, welcome back. One take, Dave. Very impressive. One take, Dave. Good to That's be back. That's what they call me. Um, this is a music podcast. If you've never listened to us before, we talk about music and we go on some tangents and we generally talk about music some more. So, coming up on today's show, we'll be talking a lot about Prince. We'll be reviewing the new album from Beyonce, which has set the internet aflutter. And we'll have track of the week, exit music, all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, this is the first time we've been together in a few weeks. It's been a while, yeah. Um, I've missed both of you. <laughs> Well, you saw me last week. I've missed several times. I've missed him a bit more. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't it, really me last week either, was it? It was kind of a, a kind of shadow version. Of I thought myself. you were great, man. Oh, thanks. You, thanks you, you, it was at that Father Ted moment where like you went from being a disheveled wreck to uh, <laughs> I really turned turned it on an yeah. absolute pro. I think just you're, before last week's episode commenced, do you remember what you said to me? No, <laughs> you're like, no, this will be great, man. But just try and be energetic. <laughs> and then you said, if you think you're being too energetic and upbeat, you're probably not. I I think they're. So those, like, those okay. are life lessons, really. I yeah, think. I was like yeah, a firecracker. Yeah. Just turn it up to eleven. <laughs> I didn't realize I turned into Dublin's answer to Tony Robbins there. It's great, yeah. Words to live by. I'm gonna, yeah. Well, look, you ended up peacocking for Red Enemy, so there you go. <laughs> Last week's guest, thank you very much, uh, Red Enemy, for they coming. They were great, in. yeah. Good lads. They make great music. Great lads. So, how have we all been? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not a, turned sorry, into a GAA that, coach. <laughs> that sounds like I was being like disingenuous. I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> they're actually cool. 
Uh, fine lads. Cullum, not the uh, finest. Cullum, explain your absence from the podcast. Uh, yeah, so I picked up a bit of an injury a few weeks ago. I think actually I might have mentioned it in passing that uh, I took a fall back at Easter and was saved by the very, very comfortable chairs of uh, the Head Stuff Podcast Studio. Um, yeah, it just kind of flared up again. So... Oh yeah, I took a. You had a, one of your falls. You know, I, 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 no, 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 not even. That's the thing. I mean, like, really, the most activity that I'd done was going up and down the stairs at Three Arena the night that Dave and I went to Macklemore. What a night! Um, what Clang. a night! You weren't um, here last week to, to, to really sell made. this story. Yeah, Listen, yeah, yeah. mate, I was online for that weekend, so I got the bloody story. Everybody got the story. If you haven't got the story, head to Joe.ie right now. <laughs> Anyway, the new sponsor of uh, No Encore. <laughs> I was basically, I was, I was just told to take a few days off. So, and because after of Macklemore, the, because of yeah, it <laughs> yeah, was basically yeah. They yeah. were like, "Oh, you went to Macklemore? Take the week, mate." So, uh, <laughs> fuck, so, take a week. Yeah, off. And, 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 and what's more, because of the nature of the injury, like I, I can't, couldn't lie on my back, so I was just kind of lounging like some sort of Victorian damsel for a week. Um, nothing to do, obviously. I finished Netflix. <laughs> you were like nothing to wear. Did you pose for a few oil paintings at least. Just you and your side naked. Unfortunately, there's nobody there to did paint you, them. Did you have any? Uh, did you have any gentleman collars? Your hus- <laughs> my, my husband is awful cold to me these days. No, I absolutely didn't. To be perfectly honest, to be perfectly honest, when I was when I was in my most pain, I went downstairs to pick up takeaway. Genuinely considered eating you get? in the lobby. What'd you get? Pizza. Oh, and right. I genuinely didn't want to go back upstairs. Um, it was that sort. It's such an intense connection with the delivery yeah. man. Grim downstairs but, uh, pizza. Well, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm now I'm, I'm now good. I'm back in action. Uh, back healthy again. Um, earlier this afternoon, I was talking down fact to overhead the Albatross former guests. Look at them dropping names. Oh, yeah. Look at yeah, this yeah, straight yeah. back uh, in. Yeah. Which members? Uh, uh, I was talking to uh, Ben and Luke. Okay. Uh, the best two. Yeah. Yeah. Well. No Unlike sign of the of their, yeah. Craven or and Godless Vinnie Casey. Yeah, I understand that Vinnie Casey was supposed to be there. And oh, what a shock. He broke an appointment, did he? Yes. Yeah. Just, okay. Full schedule these days, you know. He broke an um, appointment. He broke plans. Yeah, the boys anyway are off to Canada at the weekend. Uh, more importantly, I finally got to hear, hear the album in full this week. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's excellent. That is uh, Learning to Grow. It's released on the Friday the 13th of May. Mm-hmm. So make sure you get onto that. And Do there's also... Yeah, well, that's because... Raging. I know, I'll sort it out. I'll sort it out. <laughs> You're a terrible person. <laughs> oh, I am, yeah. Uh, they're, also launch- they're also launching it that night uh, with a visual performance, which I invite people to go and watch. <laughs> <laughs> You're hosting, are you? There will be snacks. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the 17th member of the band. There might be snacks. Um, just so find the ladder in the yeah. They're in good. Uh, they're in good spirits, I presume. Ben, yeah, absolutely, ben feeling good. Um, and yeah, obviously, as they told us, you know, bit of a monkey off the back and getting the album out there. And uh, yeah, all that remains to be seen is what the reaction will be. But uh, yeah, I think it should be pretty positive. And uh, yeah, definitely want to look forward to. Cool. Should also just throw another shout out for Red Enemy's gig, which is the following night in the Workmen's Club with the winter passing and chewing on tinfoil. That's on Saturday the fourteenth of May. And if you like the, the Albatross and Red Enemy, we've had them on previous episodes of this podcast. I encourage you to go back and listen to what they have to say. So you're back in the journalistic saddle this week. Has it been fun? It, it, immense, immense fun, fantastic, tremendous. And what's going? <laughs> what's going on in the world of music news, guys? That's the real question I have. Well, it won't be too long until we hear this music again.
because Twin Peaks is back next year. So Craig, good. I know you're massive. So man. good. That music, that intro is makes, the best. Turns Craig into something, <laughs> into into his own southern it makes damsel. Makes me happy. It makes me happy. It's my it's my happy place. Anyway, it emerged this week that uh, there's going to be like a whole bunch of musicians playing parts of exactly what sort of substance or size we don't know but uh, Trent Reznor and uh, his wife and his bandmate in How to Destroy Angels uh, Mary Queen Mandig Reznor will be there uh, Robin Fink his Nine Inch Nails buddy um, Sky Ferreira uh, Eddie Vedder Sharon Van Etten piles of people uh, but like I said we don't actually know what any of them are really going to be doing there's also a member of Chromatics because I guess they don't have anything to do do they oh for god's sake release the album release the album would you <laughs> would you release the album please it's not Johnny Jill if it was Mr. Jill um, yeah, Skyping them right now. A star-studded <laughs> cast for a show which, I mean, I love Twin Peaks. I think we all do. I'm very excited about it. Who knows what to expect? But uh, yeah, quite the roster. And like, the na- some of the names seem baffling in terms of, okay, are they actually going to be properly acting in it? Or is there going to be some weird, like there's a new venue in Twin Peaks and we're just <laughs> going to have some you know amazing background setting music? A it's, a, like, it's a super group. <laughs> yeah, what a super! Oh, group. I think it could be like True Detective season two, where like someone walks into a bar and there's Trent Reznor in the corner. Well, that was kind of yeah. I don't know. I'd be all for that. That's a very Lynchian thing to do, isn't it? He's also going to appear in the show himself. Of course he is. Of course he is, and, and he's yet, a musician himself. Yes, he is. A bunch of people coming back as well. Yeah, David Duchovny and Colin McLaughlin, Ray Wise, guys like that, and maybe most excitingly for me though are the new faces: um, Michael Sarah, uh, Amanda Seyfried, uh, Jim Belushi, Tim Roth, Ashley Judd. Uh, Interesting lineup, if nothing else. The fantastic Jennifer Jason Lee, fresh mm-hmm. from the Hateful Eight. Yeah, being... Laura Dern, who's obviously done amazing work with David Lynch before as well. So first time in Twin Peaks, she'll be awesome. I can live without Michael Sarah. Kind of hope he doesn't last too long. I think no, I think he'll he'll find a place there. I think he's kind of got this slightly off kilter character that will somehow work. It'll be a bit odd at the start, but so will the whole show. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well that's out in 2017. I think we're all anticipating that eagerly. And um, what are you? What what are we doing talking about movies and, uh, <laughs> and doing, TV guys? stars? This is ridiculous. Those, those worlds never cross over, do they? You never have actresses and, and, and actors and music people becoming friends and hanging out, do you? Apparently, you do, Dave. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Adele are now besties. Um, there were uh, was recent footage of them hanging out uh, with Adele, uh, Emma Stone, and Jennifer Lawrence, which is. Like, I mean, somebody wrote, I saw, you know, a kind of like a distinctly unswiftian uh, girl packer. Or, squad or was the squad word, the fucking word yeah. that was used. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. they fight crime. No, they uh, are self-obsessed and maximise their own brand. That's their superpower. <laughs> um, pardon me while I vomit, because uh, this story <laughs> is... Uh, uh, Jennifer Lawrence, I mean, like, like not, not to get weird around here or anything, but like, have you heard Ariana Grande's impression of Jennifer Lawrence? No. I haven't. It's very, very good. And it's pretty spot on. What's the gist? Well, it sounds like this. It's Jennifer Lawrence! They told me not to do a game show, but I was like, screw it, I can have fun, I'm a regular person. (laughs) You know, you say you're a regular person more than any regular person I know. (laughs) You should switch voices. All right, 100 people surveyed. Top five answers on the board. Name a bad habit that you just can't quit. Jennifer! I'm just like a snackaholic. I mean, I love Pringles. If no one's looking, I'll eat like a whole can. Like every day is my cheat day. You know what I mean? Oh, oh how annoying. 
really relatable. Okay, no, yeah, she nailed it. So there you go, nailed it. I mean, like, but totally gets across the whole, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm a real person just like you. Uh, I'm not fake at all. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence had a moment there, I think it was the Golden Globes this year, where she dressed down a journalist because he was looking at his phone while he was asking her a question, yeah. but he was doing so because English wasn't his first language. Yeah, he was blatantly reading the question that someone else had probably translated for him. She went on this bizarre rant. and She's a straight shooter. It was, okay. yeah, yeah, she's just like us. And it was like, she really crossed a line into complete supercilious dickhead territory. Um, and speaking of supercilious dickhead territory, she wrote a piece about Adele honouring her for this Time 100 thing. And, um, you know, she said um, she didn't really understand emotions until she heard Adele sing <laughs> Which is just terrifying. Isn't <laughs> she said, uh, so, suddenly, there were, suddenly there were words to that before indescribable pain, frustration, sadness, then revolution that all comes from a breakup. I felt understood. I felt stronger. And above all, I hadn't sung in front of a mirror with a hairbrush since Destiny's Child. Now, okay, maybe that's true. We can all relate to that, I suppose. But she goes on to say this. Um, her 500-year-old wisdom, her patience and kindness, all wrapped up in the tough skin of a damn gangster. It's like me talking about you, <laughs> Dave. Yeah, it's like I mean, thing. It's, it's, No, it's more like she's writing about fucking Lady Melisandre from Game of Thrones. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, man, Game of Thrones. Hasn't that gone terrible? Oh, Rubbish. No, there was good moments in that first episode. I will continue to fight for Game of Thrones. Trash. Yeah, yeah. And, Soap and as well, Rubbish. I, don't know, I don't know if I mentioned this in the podcast before, but I probably told you guys all fair. <laughs> I went to the north, uh, not so long ago, the north of Ireland. Not, you know, Westeros. <laughs> the north. He went to the wall. But, but, he took but, a vow. It's where they filmed the show. And the whole point is that there, I was meeting extras. I was talking to them. Even stuff like... You're schmoozing, ja- were you? No, but even, even, <laughs> even, the, even the jackets that they were wearing carried major spoilers for the series. Oh yeah, yeah. Because Be- basically, because on the jacket, the colors and the emblems and the with, yeah, yeah, with what yeah. part you were playing as an oh, extra. Shit. Oh, okay. So yeah, all I can say is that there is some good stuff to look forward to. Some very good stuff to look forward to. Well, they've oh. completely, they completely, the they've completely taken the piss out of the Dorn plot, which you know uh, has made me kind of be like, okay, well, you know, fuck the show. But uh, well, it's I fine. Think, yeah, book readers have said that Dorn is amazing in the books. It is, and, okay. and I'm not one of these people who's like, oh, it must be exactly the same as the books. And I don't, I don't think the books are some kind of sacred text or anything. Like, I really, really don't think George R. Martin has written some excellent stuff, but he also overwrites like crazy. But overall, I mean, like, you watch that first episode of season six, and you're just like, fuck you! Do you think that just after the backlash of the Dornish stuff from, like, last season, they're just like, okay, we need to fucking cut our losses and get the fuck out of here? Like, it's Probably. It's kind of but those characters are probably going to hang around for a bit longer until well, Arya probably kills them off for no reason. it's a kind of strong feminist message to <coughs> be sending out, isn't it? Because, you know, they're though? so strong and witty well, and sexy. not and to get too... This is not a Game of Thrones podcast, but not, <laughs> but not to get too into the nitty-gritty things... It kind of slaps in the face of the character of Oberyn, who they're supposed to... Yeah, you know, I'm bizarre. doing it now. I'm actually getting into... It makes no sense It makes whatsoever. no sense. It's bad writing. The show has had a lot of bad... Look, it's Pete, ruining the best character in the show. Uh, who's no longer in the show. Yeah, yeah completely. Uh, show Pete with the Red Wedding, which was not as good as everyone says it is, and died along with Oberyn. So, there you go. So, so, do you think Jennifer Lawrence really has this level of respect for Adele, or it's some weird kind of, as you say, kind of mutual brand... Back slapping. I like exercise. how you clawed that back there. <laughs> I, I think it's actually probably a bit of both. I think it's a bit of both. Yeah. Let's face it. Yeah. Like there are a lot of people who have that sort of opinion of Adele. Um, and Adele seems like she seems amazing. She seems though, like yeah. great crack. She yeah. Totally. Great. Yeah. She seems, yeah. Great. she seems a lot more uh, regular and normal than Jennifer Lawrence does. Oh, she fell over. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I tell you what. To be fair, I fell over a couple of weeks ago. Didn't exactly get a claim for it. So. <laughs> it wasn't as calm. Hugh Jackman wasn't racing to yeah, help you. No, it wasn't as graceful <laughs> or as charming. Yeah, although then again, I guess I'm quite glad it didn't go viral. <laughs> a video yeah, of me yeah. falling down the steps of my uncle's house uh, with my entire family looking out a bay window. Well, hopefully, you know, you'd mend fences in that situation with people involved and, and they wouldn't get upset. But speaking of mending fences, it would appear that Smashing Pumpkins might be having some kind of full reunion in the near future. But I don't really think it's going to happen. I think it's one of those stories about nothing. Darcy Retsky has said that she's considering a reunion to the band. She apparently has been asked four times over the last bunch of years. This obviously comes hot on the heels of the fact that James Iha was back with the band for a performance alongside original drummer Jimmy Chamberlain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she was the only fan member who hasn't publicly reconnected with Billy Corgan and has given a bit of an interview here saying that she found Iha's appearance to be quote-unquote really healthy. Apparently he's the only one in the band that she still kind of has any kind of contact with, if even if it's a bit sporadic. And she kind of closes off this because it is billed as she might be going back to the band. But then it ends with her being like, well, you know, circumstances would have to be a certain way. It's much too complicated and I wouldn't be able to tell you about it anyway. Yeah, with also with the the, the lead buried that she hasn't talked to Billy Corgan since 1999. Yeah, so it's not going to happen. And also, it's, yeah. Are Smashing Pumpkins not one of those bands where it doesn't really matter if you have Precisely. this? Yeah, it's just, it is Billy Corgan. They it's absolutely like, It's are. like The Fall. It's like Marky Smith saying, you know, if it's me and your granny on the bongos, it's still The Fall. You know, Smashing Pumpkins is just Billy Corgan. Even on the albums, he was essentially playing everything himself, wasn't he? Yeah, and I can remember seeing Smashing Pumpkins play about 10 years ago, and it was just kind of Billy Corgan and assorted musicians. But, you know, that's was this uh, Was this RDS Indoor 2008? No, this The was, worst gig I've ever been this to? This was at a Belgian festival in 2006. <coughs> Any good? Uh, decent. Worst I mean, you know, there, there, there are tunes there, but... Obviously, like, whatever sort of band dynamic that was once there that people might want to see from sort of 16, 17 years ago was gone. And, uh, yeah, obviously when you've got a kind of a, a one-man show, as Smashing Pumpkins have been for, for, for the past decade and a half, you've probably got a lot of indulgence and, and, you know, not enough voices kind of telling Billy Corgan, maybe this doesn't work, maybe change it up a little bit. Um, so, yeah, a little bit disappointing, I guess, if you were looking for sort of the classic lineup yeah, and, and the they, classic sort of performance. They never seemed like a proper gang or even like they got along or that the kind of input. Now, Jamie Chamberlain coming back, that made sense because he was as close as you could get to a partner for Billy. But the other two, he didn't seem to have a huge amount of respect for at the time. Now, with so much time passed, why would you be doing it other than, oh, a few nice photos? That's essentially it. Yeah, exactly. It? And also, it is quite telling that that gig that I was at, Jimmy Chamberlain was there which was you know I mean like it was a pleasure to see him because I think he's an incredible drummer but they, they were, it was so self-indulgent like they played the hits too fast or too slow because Billy Corgan presents playing them they went on these extended jam sessions it was complete self-indulgent wank but like Jimmy like Chamberlain podcast last week was pretty <laughs> much yeah 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 we, need, we really needed someone to be in the wings to be like lads wrap it up now yeah um, <clears throat> but no uh, I don't think Darcy's the person that's going to tell <laughs> Billy not, Corgan to wrap it up. But Jimmy Chamberlain <laughs> was the only member of that of that lineup that Billy Corgan actually introduced to the crowd. He didn't introduce the other three members that were touring with him. Okay, um, because you nice. know they don't count, do they? Yeah, no, yeah. they're just they don't they don't just matter. Extensions of his genius. Yeah, frankly, <laughs> you, you do know though that you know this will probably come up in in a, maybe a few years' time, maybe sooner than that, when Billy Corgan gets bored of playing the size of gigs that he's drawing right now, gets bored of having to do what he's doing in terms of everything from wrestling 
uh, to, to to sort of bizarre real estate ventures in terms of <laughs> Does ter- he have to do the wrestling in, to pay in, the bills? In, well, no, but I think just in terms be- in, in in order to get attention, I think he does. Yeah. And yeah. uh yeah, I guess maybe if there's a, an easier way of doing that by uh, by burying a grudge or two, then that'll probably He's be the such easy a changeable way guy that I could see him actually doing it at some point as well. I don't think it's beyond I don't think it's like a Morrissey thing where it's just never gonna happen. It's just, you know, that's off the table. I could see mm. it happening possibly. No. Morrissey is a man that we're gonna be talking yeah. about in a couple of minutes' time, but first uh, speaking of bands who've kind of switched things up a little bit, uh, Blink One Eighty Two have yeah. shared their first track <coughs> since the departure of Tom DeLonge. That's correct, and it's our track of the week, and it's called "Bored to Death." And here it is.
Okay, we're back uh, from that track. That Dreadful stuff. <laughs> See, like, I was hoping, I was hoping you'd wait. Okay, <laughs> so this this, is this podcast is a democracy in as much as I decide the track of the week. Uh, but I do, I always confer and I always put it out there. And you know, admittedly, this week was quite light on new music. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the plan was Porter said, but then they just decided, no, you're not having our new music. Yeah, the plan was you can por- wait for another six years or the whatever. The plan <laughs> was Portishead's cover of uh, SOS by ABBA, ABBA which, classic, which, is which appears in the film High Rise, uh, which I saw a couple months ago. And when I saw it, I was like, holy shit, that cover is unbelievable. I cannot wait to hear it when I get home from the cinema. And I couldn't because it wasn't online. It came out online there about a week ago. And it quickly uh, became apparent that it was a leak, and the band had got in touch with whoever leaked it and anyone who was running it and had it taken down, completely scoured from the internet. And at the moment, it's gone. High Rise is actually about to be released into American cinema now, so possibly it might surface at some point. I mean, like, maybe it was supposed to come out, but not until this time. So, yeah, we couldn't go with that one, unfortunately, but look out for that one, because it it's a particularly glorious cover. It's outstanding. Um, their first new music since 2009, uh, you might imagine it's worth hearing. So... From Portishead's cover of ABBA, <laughs> it was to, a pretty. I yeah. mean, I, I, if I can finish your sentence for you, it's like from Portishead's cover of ABBA to Blink One Eighty Two's cover of Blink One Eighty Two about seventeen years ago. Do you think? I mean, let's set that the scene. Let's suggest the, let's, it was in any way good. Let's or, set the okay before you tear it apart. Okay, let's just set the scene here. This is the new iteration of Blink One Eighty Two. It's Travis Barker and Mark Hoppus who've been there from the start, alongside Alkaline Trio's Matt Skiba, who is in for Tom DeLonge, who's no longer part of the band. Presumably he's running around chasing aliens in the desert or something. I don't Naked. Probably. <laughs> Naked. <coughs> Gotta throw Naked. that in. This is their first single as a trio. It's off the upcoming album called California, uh, which comes out on the 1st of July. Now, uh, in 2006, uh, there was a band by the name of Plus 44, which was Mark Hoppus, Travis Barker, and two other lads whose names I don't remember because they're not that important. Yeah. Uh, they're now playing with Smashing Pumpkins. Probably. <laughs> yeah. That was the side project. And this song, Bored to Death, sounds a lot like that, which is good news for people who like Plus 44. I'm one of those people. I thought it was a very good record. Didn't like change the world or anything. This song doesn't change the world or anything. Uh, I think it sounds quite a lot like Blink-182's self-titled album. It kind of sounds like a splice of Always and Feeling This alongside that kind of plus 44 sound. Um, happy to admit that it's very kind of A to B, but I quite like it. I quite like the vibrancy of it. I think it's a real good kind of kick into the summer song. Uh, I really, really like it. I've listened to it about fucking 25 times today. I think it's simple and straightforward in the best kind of way. And I kind of feel like I'm totally alone on this one, guys. I mean, I just feel as though I've heard Blink-182 and, you know, in, in its kind of various incarnations and, you know, through various kind of musical sounds, uh, well, a little bit of variety at least, um, but I've just heard so much of them sort of looking back to when they were teenagers and stuff oh. like that. That sort of, you know, sun-kissed melancholy that they seem to love. But is the alternative not Jimmy Eat World still writing songs that they're in fucking high school? Do we want that? No, I think we'd like songs that are actually have nothing to do with <laughs> when you were a teenager, melancholic <laughs> or otherwise. Just and some of those lyrics, yeah, as you said, my, like I was just like, oh God, we're in for this now, are we? And it's a song I've heard a thousand, thousand times before. Um, it, it was, it, there was no surprises. It was, 
it was grand, well constructed, fine, but as you say, like A to B and not even kind of giving me any proper hit kind of way. Um, I loved their self-titled album. Um, I thought it was really, really strong. There's great stuff on it. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll probably check out more of their stuff, but on this evidence, it just seems a little stale to me. I do think, as a lead single, fair enough, it is safe as a JLS condom. That's a callback to last week's episode, by the way. And <laughs> essentially, and a stunning endorsement for the quality of those condoms. <laughs> <laughs> it gets you where you want to go. From a man that can, yeah, yeah. Gets you where you want to go. You know, you, you know what you're dealing with. You know, you're coming but here's the thing right okay so yeah it hasn't broken any barriers and i think that that was the smartest move there are rumors that this song wasn't meant to come out that it was leaked along alongside kind of a similar vein to the ports i think and they kind of had to act fast hence we got a lyric video but then again that could be complete just nonsense and like it very well may have been part of the marketing campaign to even stir that up who knows these days I think, uh, given the fact that you're looking for your fan base to take in the new the new guy, Matt Skiba, despite his background with Alkaline Trio, I think Alkaline Trio are a very fine band, and the fact that Mark Hoppus takes lead on this one is no surprise to me. They're very much playing to the fan base. They are playing it safe. I think they're doing incredibly well with this track, though. I think it's a very, very enjoyable little tune. The album will be the test. Uh, you mentioned the the self-titled album there yeah. from Nickel 82. It's funny, because everyone kind of rags on Tom DeLonge's vocal style. It's very easy to poke fun at, and it is ridiculous. I hope he's kind of liked it. It's, However, you, know, it's you look at a song like I Miss You, which you fantastic. Know, tends to be the one that everyone kind of laughs at because of his delivery. However, yeah, beautifully constructed song, very accomplished, and that really was them at their best. They released an album called Neighborhoods a few years ago, which I think no one really kind of talks about ever. And the first three tracks in the work were quite good, but it was it felt like blink by numbers. I know that this feels like blink by numbers, but I'm I'm with it for now. Like, okay, uh, like maybe I'm just being a hopeless optimist and a long term blink fan. But mm. as a long term blink fan, the kind of departure of Tom, how badly will that hurt them? Because I'm not sure how well they divvied up the kind of songwriting. Uh, you know, what sig- significance has that departure got? I mean, was he doing the lion's share of the writing of their more melodic stuff, or can Mark carry it, or what's the story? Well, this is the thing. I mean, like, I think you say, like, they might be in trouble or it might hurt them. I don't think it will. I think there's going to be a lot of goodwill to Blink-182 in various guises. I think people were kind of sick of Tom DeLonge's Angels and Airwaves style of influence and things. Yeah, I suppose that makes sense. Now, I was going to be like, oh, well, without Tom there, it'll always be a lot more mature. But the truth is, he did quite mature. I mean, like, I mean, like you look at that self-titled album, and it's not the fucking obvious, you know, like high school humour that, that they would have kind of been known for breaking out with so it would appear that it was just uh, irreconcilable differences and I think again you know not to, not, not to just state the obvious but I think we're not going to really know until this album comes out and we see if it's a dud I kind of feel like it will be Plus 44's second album you know with with a Blink-182 logo on okay. it yeah. and, and again for me that would be enough for, for you guys perhaps not so much Reserve judgement I think is fair to say uh, so obviously me having been away last week um, I was at home when I heard the news about Prince. You guys were minutes away from coming onto a podcast, which yeah, is never it was, easy. It was fun. Uh, the, the next day, actually, I went over to the butchers across the road for me, and he was kind of like, oh, I'd say this bloke's a Prince fan. Are you upset? And I was like, quite sad, yeah, but bloody delighted I'm not at work this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. Were you wearing your frilly shirt? I was going to say, were you like bedecked in purple? It was the high heels that really gave Giant me Giant wig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bet this guy's a Prince fan. Look at him. <laughs> it was the dry Fucking ice. Fucking nerve. It was the dry ice before I walked into the butchers that really gave it away. But um, <laughs> A lot of effort to go to for a man that could have been in work. Yeah, but honestly, yeah, it sounds like you were fighting fit to me. <laughs> <laughs> Running down to the butchers. <laughs> Did you hear? Yeah. Prince is dead. <laughs> Maybe you just take, like, you know, like some kind of weird transubstantiation from 
from someone passing away. I don't know. I don't know Transubstantiation? Where. <laughs> Is that what that means? I'm pretty sure that's when the bread Body turns into Christ. Christ. Yeah. Um, well, look, it's Prince. Anything, anything's possible. Anything's yeah, yeah. possible. Yeah, a few new things, obviously, are emerging. The, yeah. The, actually, no less po- depressing. This is very true. The cause no. of death, obviously, is still uh, not resolved and perhaps won't be for a number of weeks. Uh, this confirmation of the prescription painkillers, although what exactly that tells us about yeah, a man yeah. that we know this was hospitalized this is, spe- yeah, this is speculation. This is like, you know, painkillers have been found on like on his person and at his home when he died. Well, I mean, like, that's... And fine. by all accounts, everyone that was close to him seems utterly shocked. Uh, yeah. They were like, oh, what? Okay, he's got the flu or something. He's not looking as well as he usually does. And then any kind of question of drugs, they're just like, what? Yeah. So yeah. it seems like a very strange... Yeah, and, and kind of proof positive that people were completely shocked by it uh, is, is that it's been confirmed that he didn't have a will and that his understandably massive estate is uh, temporarily going to be overseen by a, by a company, a, a trust, uh, that's going to be kind of supervising things for uh, six months. Yeah. And, um, and you worry that that could get messy. It kind of inevitably will, won't it? I mean, you think someone like Prince that was so hands-on and wanted to be in control of his music and his artistic rights and his legacy, <clears throat> you think he'd have, you know, prepared for something like this? especially in terms of how kind of vocal he was about not wanting his stuff on the internet. And it was interesting the past week, the like just kind of flood of stuff that's been put up on YouTube with all the kind of captions just being a tribute to Prince. And it's just like, it's, it's what he didn't want. Yeah, it's <laughs> the exact opposite of what he fucking yeah, wanted. Um, so it's strange that he wouldn't have put stuff in place. But again, because it was such a shock, he probably thought he was fighting fit himself. I mean, in your 50s, maybe you're not thinking ahead of stuff like that. There's yeah. also been talk yeah. that Paisley Park might be turned into the new Graceland. And like, like it was reported one point that that will definitely happen. And you kind of feel like, well, I guess it will definitely happen at some point because sure it will, control yeah. is going to go. Yeah, and if it's not going to happen to Paisley Park, then there's certainly going to be, you know, some chunk of Minnesota that's going to become sort of Prince Land, as it were. Yeah. Um, and when you think Paisley Park had a number of venues and stuff, I mean, it would be nice if it kind of went back to the community. He obviously stayed there his entire life and it became a kind of just another venue people go to and it kind of kept putting on live music. That's probably what he'd want. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, that's exactly yeah. it. They're like, do we really know? We even know. Be- because, yeah. you know, such an enigmatic guy. It's almost impossible to know how to pay tribute. Uh, his former band, The Revolution, have announced that they're going to be reuniting and playing some dates. Yeah. And um, it, it, how again, do we, the minute I heard that news, I was that? a bit like, oh, God, you really, know what? Guys? I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'll put it this way, okay? It's got money grab written all over it, but there's going to be a lot of people doing the money grab thing and playing Prince gigs so and might as well be Prince them. covers so it might as well be done right, precisely yeah. and what a great band and amazing at basketball apparently oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. How, do we know how Prince was at basketball I know he liked to play insanely good really? apparently yeah. yeah I mean well for a bloke who was 5 foot 2 he was outstanding yeah he played in high school is that his confirmed hype by the way 5 2 yeah interesting and, um, yeah, yeah, I heard 5 1 he was very good, so yeah. Um, you mentioned there, like, like things are kind of unclear. Yeah, and like it is unclear how much his estate is worth. Uh, his albums and tours raked in millions. His real estate holdings, which includes the Paisley Park complex, totaled around twenty-seven million dollars. Um, apparently, like Prince or like Elvis Presley and Michael Jackson before him, he's supposed to become a huge non-living earner. Yeah, this is the thing. And also, you've got these people kind of coming out with comments like the musician's longtime lawyer and former manager, L. Londell McMillan. And then it goes, who also played a role in the estates of Michael Jackson, Notorious B.I.G. and Sammy Davis Jr. It's like, yeah, those back catalogues were so well handled so far. And just like, <laughs> that was swimmingly. It just went swimmingly. And he's just like, I'm going to make sure his legacy is respected and protected. So it's just, oh, are we going to get an album of just old Prince vocals with new kind of new duets like we had with Michael Jackson? It's just going to be atrocious. It's pretty much Prince's happens. worst nightmare realized, yeah. which, it, you know, it, it, thankfully yeah. he's not able to 
comprehend it in this. Uh, I mean, the one saving grace in terms of the dregs and like really messing with his catalogue might be the fact that he's got so much stuff that could just be released anyway. Like he, he, he talked so much himself about just having thousands upon thousands of songs, not just in one vault, but lots of vaults. Mm-hmm. Um, and he admitted like a couple of years ago, he said, actually, I haven't told people this before, but actually back in the 80s, I wouldn't always give the record company the kind of hit songs. So we could be in for a flood of new Prince music. Hopefully it's quality stuff. One thing that I uh, want to touch on briefly is that, uh, yeah, while we say it's difficult to know how to pay tribute to Prince, uh, Morrissey found a way. Of course. He always does. Of I don't course think he Morrissey quite found, found the way. The way. <laughs> well, he found his way. <laughs> and it, it is most definitely it, his way. He did it his way. And I kind of feel like, you know, I can't do brevity on this. I have to read the whole statement. Do yeah. So, <laughs> Although, frankly, if you do want to kind of a too long didn't listen, uh, skip ahead about a minute and a half and know that this opens with the sentence, although a long-serving vegan and a strong advocate of the abolition of the abattoir. Neither of these points was mentioned in the 100 television reports that I witnessed yesterday as they cover the enchanted life and sad death of Prince. The points were not mentioned because they are identified as expressions against establishment interests. Therefore, we, mere galley slaves, aren't allowed to know. Prince has influenced the world more than is suspected, and somehow the life of his music is just beginning. And he would be thanked not only by humans, but also animals for living his lyrical life as he did. <laughs> Sorry. Keep it together, guys. Sorry, Marcy. Humans, you see, are not the world. Meanwhile, on the same day that Prince melts away in physical form, London and England remain two very different countries. And in London, the news media, under tyrannised instructions from Buckingham Palace, are informing the world that Her Royal Slyness is celebrating her 90th birthday. And we are assured that all of the United Kingdom is celebrating a monarch who has served, that is, served herself, not the people, for over 60 years. There is no evidence of celebrations, and in fact there are hushed reports of national indifference. In this mental maze, the marrow of the matter has been grasped by everyone. Monarchy is the new anarchy. It is the face of white supremacy, social repression, tyranny, oppression, thought control, big stick control, minority rule, dictatorship, and on the streets beyond SW1, unfairness. All that can be honestly celebrated on Elizabeth's 90th birthday is that she is the end of the family line. What else could her point be? Prince, thank Christ he finally brought it back, Prince... Who could make, who made something of his life as opposed to having fortune handed to him is far more royal than Elizabeth II and will be mourned by far more than she. For she could never make herself lovable, no matter how many paid and promoted non-stories flood the newspapers of the world. The laughing gulls of Buckingham Palace will never allow you to forget who wields the stick. And of course, we know very well what gulls tend to do on the people below. Shit on them. <laughs> Prince is the royal the people love, whereas Elizabeth II was thrust on the people who have never been asked whether or not they want her. I'll tell you this, but you can see why you never joined Twitter, right? <laughs> <laughs> like I couldn't, I couldn't get through it. And I love Marcy, but like, what the fuck? Marcy's the best. I'll say hey, this though. I'll li- yeah, go I'll ahead. I'll say this right. There's a line in there which I, which I actually was like, holy, that's a wonderful line. In this mental maze, the marrow of the matter. That's a wonderful... It's just alliteration. Yeah, it's, but it's great. great alliteration. <laughs> but it's fucking great. You've read his novel, have you? <laughs> I love the novel. Morrissey. What, the novel? Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, yeah, the, yeah, sorry, yeah. the autobiography, sorry. Morrissey at this point is starting to remind me of, uh, you know, Dave Whelan, a former chairman of Wigan Football Club. Yeah. Uh, who manages to mention the fact that he broke his leg in the FA Cup final, <laughs> no matter what the subject matter. It's a bit like that with Morrissey now. Someone goes like, Prince is dead, Morrissey, and he goes... 
Queen's still a cunt, didn't she? He did say some nice things about Prince. He so did. Fairness, uh, which is a rare thing for like Morris. I like the idea of the animals talking to Prince. That one Thanks, man. I can totally picture that, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Prince, like, I can see Prince like kneeling down to pet a fawn, and they're like, thanks, Prince. Thanks for the tunes. Uh, there's also like he writes Elizabeth the second with Elizabeth two, and like like yeah, that's like she's a cyborg. <laughs> she's been wheeled out. <laughs> Elizabeth like, yeah, two to destroy the people. The blood name. Um, no, he's amazing. Um, and it, as I say, it's a rare thing that Morrissey actually, you know, in a roundabout way, compliments another musician from his era because he's usually talking about how it's been shit since the <laughs> New York Dolls broke up in the seventies. So it, for him to actually be a fan of Prince is strange to me, but great. Well, I mean, also I guess. As regards Prince, one thing that everyone should do if you haven't already is check out D'Angelo's performance on Jimmy Fallon's show. He did a cover of Sometimes It Snows in April uh, alongside Princess, and it's absolutely stunningly beautiful and incredibly heartbreaking. And there's a moment where D'Angelo chokes up, can't get the words out, and my Rudolph picks it up, and it will absolutely melt your heart. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. It's a shame that it came out of a terrible thing. But that's the way life goes. It's very true. And uh, wow. obviously, yeah, I'm sure there'll be some, some more wonderful Prince tributes in the coming days and weeks. And uh, yeah, anything particularly noteworthy we'll yeah, mention I, I'm here. Sure, I'm sure Key West are out in the fucking streets right now. <laughs> it should be. It sh- <laughs> <laughs> they always are. <laughs> it should be said that, you know, it says something about, you know, the majesty of Prince and, and his incredible career that, that Morrissey is actually saying nice things. Yeah. It says something about another artist that Prince has maybe not even been uh, the biggest news story of the week online because you can't swing a cat without hearing this. Y'all haters corny with that Illuminati mess. Paparazzi catch my fly and my cocky fresh. I'm so reckless when I rock my Givenchy dress. I'm so possessive, so I rock his rock necklaces. My daddy Alabama, mama Louisiana. You mix that Negro with that Creole, make a Texas Bama. I like my baby hair with baby hair and afro. I like my Negro nose with Jackson 5 Nostro. I earned all this money, but they never take the country out me. I got hot sauce in my bag, I see it, I want it. That was Beyonce, her new album, Lemonade, got uh, its visual debut on HBO on Saturday. It arrived on Tidal on Sunday. Yes, it did. <laughs> you must have been off. You must have been delighted. Still got that title. I still got that title. <laughs> Craig has forgotten to cancel title. If you're joining this podcast late, as it were, uh, we've this done since the saga. first episode. This, this is- saga of you and title. I love it. I got the. It's b- like Batman and the Joker. You need each other. <laughs> I got the Beyonce album early. I got the film, watched it, enjoyed bits of it, maybe 10% of it. Got me money's worth. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm getting out in May. <laughs> I mean, you got to watch the film. We didn't. We'll talk about that a yeah. little bit in a moment. But we obviously all got to listen to the album. Dave, 
First of all, what are your feelings on Beyonce in general? And yeah, how did Lemonade strike you? Well, Cullum, uh, I've always found Beyonce to be a more of an interesting idea than, let's say, the expert, <laughs> <laughs> than, let's say, a musical person. I have always found that Beyonce's music is quite beige. Um, it hasn't ever really blown me away outside of one or two tracks. And I find myself quite curious when it comes to the sheer level of the kind of deifying presence that happens around her fan base. Like, Beyonce mm. could walk in here right now and kick over, kick over a fucking bucket of water and Twitter would be going insane. And the word queen would <laughs> Why be... Why would she do that? Why wouldn't she? She can do what she wants. We have, we have water on We'd the table. We'd be going insane. That'd be impressive. That'd be great. <laughs> oh my God! I just kind of feel like no matter what she does, uh, her hardcore fan base are going to say it's the best thing of all time. And I don't really think that she has the musical chops to back it up. Uh, however... After repeated listens and spending the week with this album, I'm maybe sold. I think this is a fucking great album. I think it's a superb record. Yeah, yeah, it's a really strong and record. And I must um, say that even if you do have reservations about kind of the substance, I guess, behind Beyonce, and let's face it, yeah, there is a lot of that I can't even from her fan base. And, you know, come on, guys, you, you can't even. But Colum just did a thing where he like he he, he did like a John, fluttery hands, and fluttery hands that John thing, Cena that thing, thing. Where he, like you literally just wave your hands to dry your tears. It doesn't work. Um, He's tried. I've tried many, many nights. God knows I've <laughs> tried. But yeah, I mean, even if you have reservations about you know maybe the substance not backing up the style or whatever, that's not the case in this album. No, this is easily the best songwriting of her career, and it's, it's also easily. it's so far from beige because yeah. Jay Z. On blast. Yeah, I mean, Lemonade is kind of like what Beyonce did with Jay-Z's Lemons, isn't it? It just squeezes and squeezes and squeezes. And my God, I mean... Okay, is this, Where to start? There's I mean, so this much here. definitely autobiographical, yes? Or is this some weird, oh, well, it's actually a concept album about I'm, women being downtrodden, but eh, we're going to make you think it might be about us. This I mean, I'm pretty th- sure it's autobiographical. We just don't know just how... But this isn't the first time. People are saying, like, oh, like, like, like this... Because, like, to be fair, you know, she is generally quite... Well, not so much abstract, but, like, who is this about? Is this about her? But, you know, you look at a song like Ring the Alarm, which was out in 2009, yeah. I think. I mean, this has been a topic that's come back to time and time again. is very much, like, basically saying, you know, there's infidelity here. I mean, and, irreplaceable. And, There's been countless songs she's yeah, done but, before. But th- those were kind of relatively subtle. I mean, relatively so. Um, this one, I heard someone on Monday say, you know, what a tragedy. We lost Prince and Jay-Z in the same week. <laughs> Because I need gets torn apart, like. But yeah, also well, a terrible gonna... week to be called Becky. Yeah, oh, a terrible week to be Becky. called Becky. Yeah, yeah. or um, have good hair, have good even, hair. which seems to put you in a in, yeah as a target. But I mean, okay, here's the thing. Uh, this album starts off uh, with a song called "Pray You Catch Me," which I think is a wonderful uh, intro to an album. It's fantastic, it's excellent, kind of subtle, written with James Blake. Um, really, really nice way to kick things off. And pretty much the first lyric, I'm not going to get it dead on right here, but it's something like, you know, I can still taste the dishonesty from your lips. Mm-hmm. And that vein just keeps on going for about five tracks, five yeah. or six tracks. Like the first half of this yeah. record is very much a dressing down of somebody who is probably <laughs> Jay-Z. <laughs> yeah. Somebody um, sh- she might be married to, possibly. Somebody she might have had a kid. Have chi- yeah, yeah, children yeah. wish. Um. And it's relentless. And it's and also her father. There's quite a lot, a lot of references to oh, you're doing the exact same thing. My dad did as well, by the way. Who she's, yeah, who yeah. she who she who she fired as her manager he several seems, years ago. Yeah, Matthew Knowles, who seems like a bit of a creepy guy to be honest. Yep. But anyway, um, so yeah, this is at once apparently a female empowerment record, a black female empowerment record, a 
address of a possible caustic relationship and reclaiming of power there. And it's all done with, as I said, some of the tightest, most interesting songwriting that has followed her, not followed her, but but has in her career. I yeah. Mean, like, 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 I found myself compelled. My first listen, because like, again, I, I went to be honest with you, like, I'm not really into this. And I was kind of like, yeah, it's fine. But the more I listen to it, the more I'm like, this stitches together quite brilliantly. It does. And the other thing about Beyonce, and uh, I mean, I don't know, I, I wouldn't say it's just this album either, because I must say I am a fan. I don't know if it's naivety. I don't know if it's me just kind of switching off, muting those voices that would say, Colm, you're getting sucked into a commercial trap here. But <laughs> there's something that seems really genuine. I mean, you mentioned like the stuff about her father. There's a song on this called Daddy Lessons. Yeah. That, honestly, even in the hands of like one of those sickly sweet country artists you feel could fall flat on its face but here i don't know i actually buy it that's the thing like the the actual musicality of the track is it's almost like a pastiche Mm. um i mean she starts it off by kind of saying you know texas texas and it's a bit like oh here's her nod to her kind of southern roots but no she sells it lyrically and vocally she just totally owns the track it's an earworm as well and i mean i've seen people be like you know oh better stay away from the country genre there Beyonce you're not going to see you on any of those blah 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 I think it's really fucking good yeah, but she yeah, pulls it off I mean yeah. it's not one of the stronger tracks but she certainly doesn't kind of disgrace herself on and the it. other thing as well yeah. is that it sounds weird to say about a star who's as monstrous and as ubiquitous as Beyonce is but she seems to understand less is more yeah. that on that track she doesn't pour it on there's Hold Up which is one of the first tracks on the album which is I mean, it, it, it's a bit of a fucking <laughs> head fuck has the best of times. Well, no, but to I his mean, head in I mean, sheer it's, delight. It, it's where Father John Misty has one of the most <laughs> unlikely writing credits ever. Um, Ezra Koenig is uh, on the same track, I believe, are, are, are sort of... It's also credited to members of the AAAs because it essentially has elements, quote-unquote, of maps, the wonderful, yeah. wonderful maps. It's got its origins in, yeah, maps and a tweet by Ezra Koenig from 2011 where he slightly altered the lyric. Um, so, Would you yeah. like to give us Ezra Koenig's timeline, Greg, on, on this one? Because we're all fans of Ezra Koenig. I think he's a great voice on Twitter. The third Vampire Weekend record is particularly wonderful. He seems a really good guy. And yeah. yeah, so he took to his, his Twitter account, which is one of the best online, I think. He's always it quality. Really is. He's and a also, funny guy. And also, uh, his review of Drake's Nothing He's, Was the yeah. Same record for Talk House a few yeah. years ago is the greatest piece of music journalism you'll ever read. Um, I don't know if you've heard his Apple Music show. He's got a uh, Apple Music show called Time Crisis, which... Um, I didn't get a subscription to Apple Music. Don't worry, guys. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. But I've heard it through like, various means, and he's just brilliant. He's just a, a kind of natural raconteur. He's, he's hilarious. You've interviewed him, haven't you? I have interviewed him, and he was a delight. Yeah, excellent, excellent. He really was. Um, so, yeah, I, there was a lot of confusion around it. He said, listen, it's not that complicated, but some people are confused, so here's the short version. So, 2003... Yeah, yeah's release maps, which is good. 2003, cheaper. Fever to tell. Feel old. Fever to tell. Great yeah. record. Fantastic record. Fantastic That song record. is, uh, that's in my top 10 songs of all it time. It is beautiful. I'm not it's just saying that, job. it legitimately is in there. It's a wonderful, perfect song. It is a perfect song, yeah. Um, so fast forward, 2011. Uh, I think, I think as Ezra, <laughs> what if it was hold up instead of wait and tweet a tweet? So he's had this genius <laughs> move where he's going to go hold up instead of wait, which is kind of like hip hop terminology, which he's wont to do sometimes. It's taken him eight years. <laughs> He'd been working on it. <laughs> Fast forward three years last time. Um, so he says, I'm in the studio with Diplo. I really like this one Andy Williams loop thing he'd been messing with. We decide to make it a song. I try to think of something to go over it. I write a hook based on the maps tweet, adding new lines, melodies. Originally it was, there's no other God above you. What a wicked way to treat the man who loves you. 
Figured it was going to be a Vampire Weekend song, but was easily convinced that it could be better. Um, go to a new place as a Beyonce song. So he was convinced easily, apparently, which sounds a bit shadowy. Then fast forward to now, and basically he's got a production and writing credit, blah, blah, blah. Beyonce made it 100% her own, and he loves it. It is, and, and it is 100% her own as well. It's this kind of like slightly Calypso-inspired song, but again, it, it it's not force-feeding it. It still sounds genuine. It still sounds authentic or organic um, and that and again for, a total earworm it's yeah. just you know you could totally hear this and, as a and it goes the for the rest of the album I mean there's a song with Jack White on here called Don't Hurt Yourself which genuinely makes Jack White probably sound as angsty or as sort of pent up as he has since like white blood cells maybe as interesting as he had in ye- has in years yeah. because like it, this sound is totally what he's been doing on his solo albums but they've for whatever reason they've been a bit tired stick Beyonce on top of it and suddenly it's just revitalised and it really works and she does this time and again on the record where she brings in people and uses their elements and uses kind of quite identifiable elements of other people's stuff but then just totally puts it in recontexts it and just makes it her own and it's great Don't, uh, Don't Hurt Yourself also is you know pretty much her most vociferous track on the record in terms of vocals and production like it's not a million yeah. miles away from Black Skinhead a song that we often reference here in terms of just being an incredible release of anger and energy and you know it contains lines like um, you know uh, you know I give you life you try that shit again you're gonna lose your wife which with Jack White there on production and co-vocal duties should make the next title board meeting uh, very <laughs> very interesting cheers mate yeah I would suspect but yeah it, uh, as we say it goes in that vein it's being incredibly explicit about what it's about or what it's perceived to be about sure and yeah, I mean, like it's it goes along in that vein, but it doesn't go along in that vein for the entire record. I mean, like around halfway through the song called Sandcastles, which appears to be some kind of reconciliation attempt yeah. or some kind and of which is a bit, it's a bit of a straight ballad, really, isn't it? Until it quite it kind of warps. Yeah, I think it works it's, fine it's, for what it's there to it's do. It's short and it's yeah, it's a branching track into kind of the rest of the album, which definitely yeah. moves more into the black empowerment thing, the female empowerment thing, and which obviously peaks with formation, which we listen to. That's the closer on the album. Yeah, and kind of strangely placed because it comes after like a, a long kind of almost lullaby and it feels almost like a bit like a bonus track there's a track on there called Freedom with Kendrick Lamar which is much more in that vein which I know you're a big fan of Freedom. I love that track it's one of my tracks of the year until someone said this is going to sound amazing on an Adidas ad and I was like just like oh Jesus I no it's perfect I actually for that kind got of... the vibe of like it could, it could be like on a trailer for a big new film it's going to be it's everywhere very, it's cinematic but yeah. the music is just amazing it's got this swirling organ it's like some Arthur Brown 60s thing but then just uh, I don't know what's Jimmy Hendrix style thing going what's, on as well. What's further interesting though is that it closes with a vocals, uh, vocal kind of sample, I guess, uh, of Jay Z's mother, Hattie White. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think a hundred years old. Um, and the quote is, you know, like about getting her inner strength and how she was given lemons, but she made lemonade. So the album is effectively named after that as well. So it, it is that kind of interesting two sides of this coin, where it's like, why would you honor a, a, such a hardcore connection to the person who may have completely fucked you over? Unless you're making an overall bigger point. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean, this idea of kind of, you know, uh, a little bit of dichotomy, as it were, seems to be dominating a lot of the discourse around the album, where people have said, well, it's, it's an apparent feminist triumph, but uh, she's get, catching slack that five of, of the 58 uh, names that are on the kind of co-writing and co-producing list um, are women. Everyone else involved is a guy. And they 
basically have said that, you know, this is strange that in an essential aim to empower women economically, socially and artistically, the overwhelming majority of the album's writers and producers are not women. Which is very interesting. I mean, like, think pieces are going to be generated from any kind of big new pop culture phenomenon. And the ones that are surrounding this record are actually genuinely interesting for a change. Uh, yeah. Craig, what do you think? I think that um, too much has been made of the kind of background team that's making this record. I think it stands apart from that. I mean, you look at someone like Ella Fitzgerald, who's held up there as a really important voice for kind of disenfranchised people, be they black, female, whatever. Um, you don't then go, oh, well, hold on. There was a bunch of white guys writing the tracks. You know, it's it's this kind of thing of just like, really, are we going to nitpick over everything? I'm sure Beyonce isn't going, women aren't great at writing stuff. I'm going to wheel in a bunch of men. It's just who she was working with. Yeah. But it does feed into this argument. And Azealia Banks has put it in a different way about the video where she's saying, well, you're just co-opting black cu- culture and this idea of kind of the strong powerful black kind of goddess thing and really you know taking on religious kind of iconography and using this stuff that meanwhile Azizia Banks is saying oh, I've been using this for ages and now you're just kind of taking it blah 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 and she, I guess her point is that Beyonce isn't being genuine and again that is the thing if this isn't a case of it being really about Jay-Z is she just exploiting her fan base does she know of course this is going to work because she's just portrayed as this kind of you know victimized character is it just a really cynical shrewd move listening to record I don't think it is at all because there's too much emotion in it can it be all of those things it can be all of those it can be yeah I kind of think it could be and also to be fair you know, I rag on Taylor Swift all the time for kind of this thing. And ultimately, you know, Kanye West does the same thing, so maybe that's hypocritical. Ultimately, at the end of the day, it's your album. It's your career. It's yeah. what, of course, you're going to look out for yourself. You should. Yeah. So if Beyonce manages to get some message in there and inspire an awful lot of people, I mean, there are also, like, in, in terms of what's on the record, you also have the the mothers of uh, victims like uh, of uh, people who've inspired the Black Lives Matter movement, yeah, yeah. Uh, get get their voices heard as well. Um, I, no I, mention of Solange, or she's not in the videos either. By the way, fighting another lift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Trouble. She'll yeah. always have "Losing You," one of the best songs ever, though. So we're yeah. okay. You mentioned the Black Lives Matter movement. That's been another thing that's obviously been dominating a lot of the conversation. Uh, some people going so far as to suggest that basically white commentators should kind of take a step back. Which is, I mean, like, like let's address the elephant in the room here. Where three, Are the three white, men, three white men, men in the room around these microphones? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, this is the thing. Uh, I appreciate and acknowledge that kind of way of thinking. I think sounds it, very patronizing. It does, <laughs> and I uh, and I already regret my words there. But this is the thing. Um, I don't agree because I don't see why a piece of art. A film, an album, a song, a TV show, whatever, a game of football that happens to have multicultural aspects connected within its DNA. I don't know why that can't be assessed from different angles. Fair enough, if we were coming at it from a really ridiculously ignorant point of view. I don't think we are. Yeah. Uh, I think we would take something like like an album like this on its merits and also look into the background, do your research. I think as journalists, we do our best to be... Uh, as good as we can, and that's not to say that we we're not we're not, that we are great commentators or that we don't make mistakes. But I'll never agree with someone saying you can't, you can't, you can't do this. Yeah, it's nonsense. It's total well, nonsense. For, for me, there's two things that stand out. I mean, number one, as you say, as long as you're coming at it from like just a blindly ignorant point of view. But even then, then you know, then it's just fine. one person's point of view. It is art. It's an, you know, true, true enough. But I don't think it's unreasonable for somebody to say 
yeah, you know, if you're going to comment on this album, maybe read around it, maybe read some of course, other writers, yeah. particularly yeah, sure, black yeah. writers, and but also familiar with this culture. Educate yourself, basically. But you can say the same thing about everything from sort of politics to, like yeah. you say, football. And in a perfect world, yeah, people would make, you know, like people would vote with perfect logic rather than, you know, believing the bombast of some politician. People would basically, you know, lead their lives in a far more educated and, 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 I'm never and gonna, sensible way. I'm never going to fully connect to the themes of this record from the point of view of a woman, yeah. a black person, a black woman. Like, I'm not. I can't. It's true, but you know... And, and I totally... <laughs> tried. <laughs> and I totally, totally accept that. But here's the thing. I think... The other thing as well is it's on HBO. This is the thing that just stands out to me. You can't put your album debuting on primetime cable yeah. TV and then say ah yeah but only some of you are allowed to think well to be it. fair it's up for an Emmy by the way for best variety show well to be fair a variety show I don't think Beyonce is necessarily saying that I mean like, like like I mean like that's I read a, I read like a think piece today and it was very much like like it was like it, the, I think it was the headline was something like you know uh, dear white white people or white writers before you review Lemonade you know read this or whatever and it was like consider this and the first thing in Black Apples was don't yeah and it's just like fuck you, you know, like, again. Like I mean, absolutely fuck you. Because I mean, as I say, this album is going to mean a lot to to a lot of different people, and it's going to mean a lot more to particularly, um, like perhaps undervoiced, definitely undervoiced uh, segment of society, and that's yeah. fucking great. And like, but I, as a white male who loves music and loves the subtext in music and also loves the stories behind music, I don't see why I shouldn't be allowed not, I, I don't want to say I want to be part of the conversation but it's more like why can't I have my own voice I, I kind of feel like you should oh, what's but the problem there here's the thing the problem is if the media and of course to a large extent the media still is a kind of you know white dominated thing where you're not actually getting the opinions of people who might be in that culture who might be able to kind of vibe with what Beyonce is doing more um, but I, th- I think we're hearing those voices it's not the 70s where the conversation is just a kind of middle-aged white dude that writes for Rolling Stone it, it's changed everyone yeah. can have a voice which is great yeah, and the other thing as well of course is that I think Beyonce understands that I mean as much as it's going to res- resonate with women with uh, the black population in the United States black population all over the world minorities, etc., etc. She also knows that she's got a ton of fans who are white, who are male. Uh, she's going to sell 80,000 tickets in Crow Park, uh, you know, in a country that is not exactly in the throes of, of Black Lives Matter's revolution. So I think, yeah, kind of judging and commenting on the album uh, from just about every a point of view and from every corner is fair and uh, especially when it's overwhelmingly positive like it seems yeah, to be from us uh, do you want to rate it Dave? it gets an 8 out of 10 from me I'd probably go the same 8 out of 10 yeah and Fair. I will match that 8 out of 10 across the board our In best album that's so our far, best album so far yeah. that's the highest we've given yeah, I think yeah. I might have given, given Ruiz Sangano family an 8 as well and Roy Lynch um, uh, gave it a 9 two Bantam gave very, it a 9 okay. very, very fine records uh, Craig what else did I for you this week? Um, Aesop Ferg is back um, and he's sounding better than ever um, Always Strive and Prosper is his latest album and you'll probably know immediately the Aesop kind of monarch he's part of Aesop Mob um, he's probably second most well known next to Rocky of course but I mean for my money just the far more talented MC I mean a lot of people like Rocky's style that kind of laconic boastful thing he's got and he's got a great voice but it doesn't say a lot to me um ferg is a much more inventive much more insightful guy um and on this record he just 
takes it to a whole different dimension. I mean, there's such a kind of variety of genres being approached here. There's some absolute bangers. A bit like the Beyonce thing, it's a whole family affair as well. Um, some of the writing's really poignant. There's very little in the way of cliches. Um, there's a Chris Brown feature, which is awful. Um, but other than that, it's great. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, it's funny that we mentioned Blink-182 earlier because my album of the week are one of the ones that I've enjoyed certainly this week uh, was, was We Are Scientists which I was oh, not okay. expecting Yeah, um, and I think because it's not what they used to do it's mid-tempo it sounds far more mature uh, they don't have any of that sort of you know wild um, energy that they used to back in the day Um Okay. Sounds a bit depressing. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ! No, 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 no. It's still it's it's, it's the fireworks factory. It's, it's, it, <laughs> it's mid-tempo rock, like oh, it's Jesus. just it's just not. <laughs> it's dad rock, isn't it? It's good for lying on your side too. <laughs> <laughs> they're that that, that 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 little bit older, that little bit wiser. They're they're winding down. I, it genuinely does feel that way, but. Listen, give it a bash. It's called Helter Seltzer. And, uh, I, interviewed, yeah. uh, I interviewed Chris Kane. I interviewed Chris Kane from We Are Scientists before. Uh, an absolute gentleman. Uh, very fun interview. And he warned me that Devendra Banhart will steal your girl. Yeah. So be careful. If Devendra Banhart's around... Maybe. Now, now Prince has gone. Is he the next in line? He might be. Dave, player, you've yeah. also been turning the clock back in terms of your album. I have, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about Jay Riotard and Blood Visions. Blood Visions turns 10 years old this year. Uh, Jay Riotard, for anyone who doesn't know him, better known, well, his real name was Jimmy Lee Lindsay. He passed away in 2010 at the age of 29 um, from a drugs and alcohol overdose. A punk kid from Memphis who made a lot of noise. Blood Visions is an absolute masterwork. It's a wonderful, wonderful record. I so regret the fact that I never got to see him live. He cancelled on the day that he was supposed to play and I didn't get to see him again. He passed away. It's a great loss to music. Uh, it's just one of those stories. Um, he was 29. Blood Visions runs for 29 blistering minutes over about 15 tracks. It's like nothing you've... Well, not, it's not like nothing you've ever heard, but it's, it does what it does so incredibly well. Uh, let's have a listen to a song uh, appropriately titled Oh, It's Such a Shame. <laughs> Shame. Oh, it's such a 
So yeah, that was Oh, It's Such a Shame by Jay Reatard off Blood Visions. Turns 10 this year. Uh, it's been reissued, hence hence me bringing it up this week. If you haven't heard it, take 29 minutes and listen to it. I think it's an absolutely wonderful record. And, you know, not to be all like, it'll be in my top 10, but it's in my top 10 albums of all time. It's a fucking classic, a modern classic, and a terrible shame that he's not still making music. But yeah. that's, that's just the way it goes. So uh, and that's it for this week, guys. Yeah, pretty much. We are going to be uh, going our separate ways and listening to Drake. <laughs> which, we, which we'll be covering next week. We'll also be covering the new record from Le, Lost Under Heaven, who we've talked about previously on the show. Mm-hmm. Can um, I talk about Kanye? Kanye! We almost made a whole... We almost, we almost made it through. <laughs> we Sorry. might. Almost made it through an episode without mentioning Kanye West. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, I know, I, I mentioned Black Skin earlier on. Forget it. To play us out this week... Uh, thanks, guys, by the way. Thank you. Uh, what a welcome, pleasure, as always. It. And uh, thank you for listening. Please subscribe and, you know, like leave us a review and get in touch and all that kind of stuff. If you're a, a band or an artist who would like to have your music played as the exit music for this show, drop me an email to music at headstuff.org. And if we like what we hear, you just might get to hear it on this show. Speaking of, to play us out this week is Alva Reddy. The song is called Distrust. She is an indie folk artist based in Dublin. About to release her new EP on the 28th of May. She has won a lot of acclaim from the likes of Claire Beck, Nile Nine, and The Last Mixtape. Uh, this is actually one of my favourites that we've had so far. Um, I'm not going to say too much more. This song is called Distrust. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Dave Hanratty. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. And this is Distrust by Alva Reddy.
Hello, my name is... Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> my Dave is. Uh, let's ignore that, shall we? Please, can we keep that? <laughs> no. Please, can we just No, start? no, no, no. Fuck right, off. Okay, no, okay, no, okay. no, no. This is a serious podcast. <laughs> this has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.